I am Pandarius, a scholar of Thera. My name is Thorin. I hit people. A tablet I translated could hold the key to stopping a demonic apocalypse at sundown. Oh, this is gonna be Please. fun. Many will try to stop me from unlocking time. its secrets. Huh. Who could that be? Oh, they'll try. This would be my oh, first adventure with Soren. Let's what go! Who are you? As the avatar of green eyes. Welcome to a scholar's journey. In a land that is fraught with turmoil and inevitable conflict, there are few organizations that are more respected than the Pentacle. They send Magi to serve as mediators in the land's worst wars. For hundreds upon hundreds of years, the Magi have remained neutral, impartial in global affairs. Today, they will be tested by the Ralian people and the Anthra people. By the Abyss, I hope they succeed, or the streets of my beloved city will run red with the blood of men. Why did they choose to hold these negotiations here? What were they thinking? From the Journal of Chancellor Merriweather. that anything was odd. The woman took the tracing and examined it briefly. Ah, yes. I remember this. Pandarius gave her a guarded look. Remember? Why, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, dear. Please. She gave Pandarius a winning smile and handed him back his notes. Ed walked toward them and stumbled over a book in the process. He almost fell on his face, but righted himself at the last moment. For another time. Pandarius took back the tablet tracing and his notes and looked them both over for a moment. I have to admit, this tablet is unusual, and I've translated many manuscripts and writings from various cultures, but this took all my skills. For example, it mentions a creator god, something that has never been mentioned in any writings that I've seen thus far. Gale nodded as if this were expected, and the action set off warning bells in Pandarius's head. Please, dear, tell us what it says. Pandarius placed his notes next to the tracing and looked back and forth between the runes and his notes before he began. All right, here we go. The tablet that this was traced from recounts a brief history. It says that the lesser gods of chaos, order, positive and negative, were the creator God's first creations. They were imperfect uh, by intention, created to govern over the various races of the land. Next, the creator God created the Kirins to steward the lands, 
magical creatures that were like elemental forces of nature. Finally, the creator made the Vaidzer. These people were perfect in every way. Masterful creations that were utterly without flaws or reactive emotion, or so the creator had planned. But instead, it became apparent that they knew hubris, anger, lust, and greed. Lacking temperaments of reason, the Vaidser ran rampant and caused... Pandaria stopped reading and looked up. That is where this part of the translation ends. Uh, apparently, it continues elsewhere, telling about the guardian of the gate that is referred to later. The next part stands as a set of instructions. Hmm, do tell. Gale drew closer to him, and her eyes narrowed with interest. Pandarius gazed back at his notes. To release the gate guardian from its servitude, three seals must be shattered in exact order. If they are not, the ritual fails completely. It reads, the first seal must be broken by two brothers who, through anger, spill blood in the Hall of Knowledge. The second seal must be shattered by two peoples who must... Pandarius stopped reading and looked up. It appears that, once again, the instructions continue elsewhere. He looked back down at his notes before reading the end. The last seal must be cut in twain by the shattered... He stopped and looked up. That also trails off. Then carefully set down his translations and the tracing on a pile of books. Ah yes, Isaiah. The confusion in Gale's voice surprised Pandarius. You do remember the name of your mentor and teacher. Even Ed realized that something was different about Gale. But before either he or Pandarius could say more, two sharp knocks sounded on the door and resounded ominously through the house. Ed shrugged his shoulders. Ed went to the door and opened it. How may I help you? Wait, what, what is this? Who are you? Pandarius and Gale rushed up behind him and heard a low kathunk and a silver sword tip seemed to appear from Ed's back. His blue robes with their stars and teddy bears were suddenly stained dark with blood. The tip, for what felt like forever, as Pandarius stood entranced by the gruesome scene before him. While Pandarius was watching in stunned silence, Gale came between him and Ed and reached up and around, grabbing him by the scruff of his shirt, her eyes burning sudden forest green. Yes, you are exactly what I need. Then, Pandarius watched as a second blade passed through Gale's back, 
and out the front of her robes, just barely tickling his chest and staining his white shirt with crimson blood. Get his notes! The assassin at the door yelled to his companion. Even as Pandarius watched, Pandarius felt an increasing energy and gale as she died, and the white aura over her back grew more intense. He saw a humanoid figure made of mist rise from her body, deep within his being. Pandarius felt the connection between Gale and the misty creature shatter as the last breath left her mouth. Then, its striking green-eyed gaze snapped toward Pandarius. The assassin picked up the tablet of tracing and threw it. Pandarius found himself within a gray expanse that seemed to continue forever, for as far as he could see, there were no landmarks. There was a vague glow of light, but no source that he could see. All his senses felt dulled, as if such a quality held no meaning here. Yet... He felt his mind open wider than ever before. He was able to see it all, what little there was to see. This place seemed so familiar, yet alien, as if he had been here before, but had never seen it for what it was. Then something new appeared, a white square in the gray expanse that beckoned him forward. He saw it and moved toward it. The environment was clean and comfortable. Not too hot, not too cold. His feet rested on a solid surface, devoid of texture. Abruptly, Pandarius found himself next to the strange square, as if his own will had taken him there. In that white square, a table appeared with exactly the same dimensions as the square itself. It was an ordinary table with four corners and legs, nothing special. Pandarius approached and placed his hand on a corner of the table. Something changed. It was subtle at first, but as time went by, what few moments there were, Pandarius felt it. There was a change in the atmosphere. The air turned crisp and smelled of almonds. 
almost like poison. A chair appeared next to Pandarius's hand, as if it belonged there. <sighs> if this is supposed to impress me, it does not. He spoke to the empty air and looked down at the chair with mild curiosity and slight bemusement. Then I shall not make you wait longer, my dear. A commanding yet confident female voice spoke from nothing. A strange white feathered female appeared before Pendarius. The elegant creature was surrounded by a faint forest green aura that tinged her body a pale green, and yet held herself with an aloof authority. The woman was vaguely Theron, but she was beautiful in an alien way. Her thin lips were pressed together slightly with small protruding canines and she had an angular chin that came to a point. Her body was slender and well-shaped, with small breasts covered tastefully with a layer of fur. Exotic, slow eyes glowed a dim jade green. Her legs had reversed haunches, but she walked with confidence, placing one foot directly in front of the other delicate bat-like wings crested her shoulders. Ooh, I hope I am sleeping and that this is a dream. Pandarius raised his eyes to her wistfully. You think this is a dream? My dear, why would you believe such a thing? The scholar looked around in wonderment. <laughs> This table appeared when I thought about how empty this place was, while this chair came into being when I thought about sitting down. You came out of thin air when I thought about how lonely it was here. In our dreams, our desires can come true instantly, and I infer that this is a dream. She seemed amused at his conclusion. You are somewhat correct, though many crucial details remain outside your grasp. Pandarius pulled out the chair and sat down. He propped up his chin pensively. <laughs> Please, sit down. He motioned with his free hand, and a chair appeared for her. <laughs> Good. Instead of sitting down, she walked around Pandarius like a prowling animal. Since you know so much, what is my name? Pandarius thought for a moment. Oh, I do not know that, and I assume you are a manifestation of my inner desires. Me, a manifestation of your inner desires? <laughs> Are you attracted to a furred and feathered kind that does not exist? Pandaria shook his head in amusement. Huh. A 
A pleasure to meet you, Rhea. My name is Pendarius. Uh, do you mind telling me the purpose of this dream? She opened her mouth and bared her small pointed teeth with a smile that hinted at malice. As she circled around him, she stopped directly behind him, then leaned in to speak sweetly into his ear. To decide how your story ends. The scholar sat straight up at that. My death. She straightened up and continued circling. Yes. Today you tell me the terms of our contract. You want to form a contract? She nodded her furred head in response. Yes, dear. And of course, these terms must be decided by you, not me. And if I do not? Then our agreement would be to decide there is no contract and I would get what I want at no cost. Pandarius wanted to know the full terms of the contract. I see. He scratched his chin as he pondered. And what do you get in return? Ah, the heart of the question. Pandarius shrugged his shoulders. Eh. I was taught about the contract formed between Theron and Akiran, but uh, what it entails is not beyond my realm of understanding. So, Akiran, is that what you think I am? Hmm. Name your terms. This is a dream, after all. Fine. <sighs> My terms are that you will serve me until I die, gifting me your power to achieve my own ends, no matter the reason, cost, or sacrifice. Ha! My terms are that you will serve me until the day I die, gifting me your power to achieve my own ends, no matter the reason, cost, or sacrifice. Rhea's confident smile disappeared and her demeanor changed to surprise and horror. No, I refuse. This, this can't be. If this, I won't be able to. What have you done? A tingle started to flow up Pandarius's body, and he felt as if he were on fire. Suddenly, he was. Forest green fire lit his entire body from head to toe and flickered, though its heat did not hurt him. Rhea had been standing across the table from Pandarius, but it disappeared, as did the chairs. Then the open space disappeared as Rhea rushed toward Pandarius and disappeared in front of him. The scholar felt as if she were being absorbed into him. His eyes flew open wide as he felt the essence of Rhea meld with his own. What magic is this? The entire blank expanse turned from a dull gray to a multi-hued turmoil of color. You have chosen 
the terms are set. Bound by unbreakable contract of blood, bone, and soul. Pandarius and Rhea the White Feather. Henceforth, you are soul bound to each other. As the surroundings faded away, Pandarius thought he saw the faint trace of a green line formed between him and Rhea. Then his eyes fluttered closed, and the room disappeared from sight. This episode featured the voice talents of Herrick Erickson Briggle as the narrator and Pandarius Grayson, Stephen Daniel Moore as Soren Luna Mortalitas, Stephen Nagel as the intro narrator, Hunter S. Henderson as Ed, Katie Vanderlyn as Rhea, and Lana Emmerich as Gail Southtail. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next... featured the voice talents of Herrick Erickson Briggle as the narrator and Pandarius Grayson, Stephen Daniel Moore as Soren Luna Mortalitas, Stephen Nagel as the intro narrator, Hunter S. Henderson as Ed, Katie Vanderlyn as Rhea, and Lana Emmerich as Gail Southtail. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of A Scholar's Journey.